Welcome to the Teachers to Tech podcast. I'm your host, Dean. This is the podcast where we tell you how you can grow your tech skills, whether you're starting from scratch or just want to go farther. You might be thinking about a new job, a whole new career, or just a new hobby. We'll have something for everyone, so keep listening. Welcome to episode 109 of Teachers to Tech. This is Dean, your host. Last time I promised you a topic in this episode based on some good news that I saw. Now, I'm going to have to temper that a bit, but we're going to go ahead with today's topic, which is the Raspberry Pi computer. Before we go any farther, let's talk about what the Raspberry Pi is for a second. It's a device known as a single board computer. It's very compact, but you can build this out to work as a full-scale computer with typical peripherals you want to add. A regular screen, a regular keyboard, regular mouse, etc. You can start this from a kit. And because of its simplicity, you will be able to learn a lot of computer science without the worry that you're going to break something or get caught up in complicated instructions that you can't follow. If that's not enough for you, the Raspberry Pi is also relatively inexpensive. Even some of the fancier kits run under $200, and there are plenty of guides for how to use these kits available from the sellers and from the creators, the Raspberry Pi Foundation. Let's get that news out of the way and get back to our topic. The news was that the Raspberry Pi was back in stock in such quantities that there were no limits on purchase anymore. That would have been great, except it turned out that was only at the Raspberry Pi store in Cambridge in the UK, and they don't take internet orders. So I followed up by looking at resellers in the US, first the ones I knew of, they were still out of stock. But when I went to the Raspberry Pi website, and looked at the people they recommended as resellers, it turns out several of those do have items in stock, including some full kits. And we're going to kind of focus on the kit, because the kit will treat you as if you're starting from no knowledge at all, and that's the perspective we want to take in the show today. As a matter of fact, I went looking at one guide, and I found that it only had 14 pages. On top of that, when you look through the pages... There are a lot of graphics, so the instructions are fairly simple and fairly clear, but the 14 pages aren't all necessary for some of the projects. A few of the pages show you how to use the Raspberry Pi as a device controlling external equipment, and that is not what we're going to talk about today, so we don't even need to focus on the content of those pages unless you get a Pi and say, hey, I'm going to do something that's more in this other realm of the hobby. To organize this episode, I have taken the approach that we are going to treat it like an unboxing. We're going to talk about what components you'll have if you purchase a kit, what is involved in assembling everything, what is involved in getting this to become a running computer. I will refer to the fact that you can create other items with this Raspberry Pi than just a standard home computer, but I'm going to be a little bit less thorough about those because you can explore those easily on your own once you have confidence with the kit. Let's start our imaginary unboxing. First thing in the box you're going to want to look at, of course, is the Raspberry Pi card itself. This may be in a smaller box inside the kit, and then inside that box, 
you'll see that you've got a special protective wrapper around the Raspberry Pi. Don't remove that until you're ready to install the Pi in its little case. If you have never touched a circuit board before, first of all, congratulations, because don't. If we get our fingers on that board, we could cause static damage to the components, and we could leave finger oils all over the board that will later get dirty, corrode things, and cause future problems. We are only going to handle that card as much as it takes to get it installed into the case, and we're done with that. We're going to handle it by the edges as we do that to protect it from us. You should have a two-piece shell in the kit, and there will be instructions telling you how to snap that in. Typically, you don't even have to use any kind of mounting screws. You just snap that pie in and you're set. Now, there can be different versions of the board available to you depending on where you're shopping. The only difference you'll see is the amount of memory that's available on the card for the processor to use. I want to be clear about this. This is not the memory that you're going to store your material on when you say, hey, I've got some pictures I want to put on here, or I just typed up a document. This is the amount of processor memory that is available for the processor to do its work. So as it's calculating, so to speak, it needs some space to work like a scratch pad that you would work on while you're figuring something out. That's the amount of memory that you'll see listed as, say, 4 gig or 8 gig, something like that. But the memory that you will use as, say, a hard drive will be an SD card or, on the newer kits, a micro SD card. That gets installed once. It is possible to make a second SD card that has a different operating system on it, so you could take that same Raspberry Pi and say, well, today it's a home computer, tomorrow it's a media center, but that's really a story for another day. I'll refer to that a little bit at the end of the episode. It is as easy as it sounds once you know what you're doing. Another component that's going to come in that box if you buy a kit is a power supply. Now, the Raspberry Pi is small, and you might think you can run it off of just about any old wall wart that has a compatible plug, but that is not true. You're going to be using a little bit more power than you think, so use one of the official power supplies. It is possible to have your Raspberry Pi just power down if it does not get enough current. And speaking of power, all the power we're using to compute is going to generate some heat. We've got a couple of ways we want to deal with that. Your kit hopefully will come with some heat sinks. These are pieces of metal especially crafted to conduct heat away from the chips that are on that board and out into the air where that heat can be dissipated. You'll get full instructions on how to install those. It's basically like a 3D sticker that you're going to mount on a couple of chips on that board so that we can keep it cool. We also may have a case that comes with a little fan. Just like a larger computer has a fan to keep it cool, you can install this fan right in your case, and it'll run when your Pi is running and protect it. And yes, you can get that thing hot enough that it'll power down on you or it'll have other faults. So please take all these steps. They're not that hard, and you'll have a full working computer. Once we've got all these components together, but before we plug in our power supply, we're going to want to add a USB keyboard that we supply, and we're going to want to use a connection, preferably HDMI to HDMI, right into some kind of a monitor or even a television, 
and we're ready to get started with the next step, which is adding the operating system. I think most listeners are going to be familiar with the general idea of an operating system already, just because we're so used to debating the merits of, say, a Windows system versus Macintosh, or an Android phone versus an iPhone. That's the general gist of what we're going to talk about here. But just for our purposes, we'll define an operating system loosely as the software that tells a computer how to do the rest of its job. There is an operating system that has been designed specifically for the Raspberry Pi. It's made to run the Raspberry Pi as a home computer. Typically, when you buy a kit with a Raspberry Pi, you're going to receive the SD card or micro SD card compatible with your board that will have the correct operating system already installed. This might be called Raspbian, or it might just be called the Raspberry Pi OS operating system. This is what we want to install the first time. If you happen to buy a Raspberry Pi, but you didn't get it in a kit, a micro SD card or SD card, whichever is appropriate for your board, will be fine if you get it somewhere else, but we'll need to clear it off and we'll need to install what's called an image, meaning everything about the memory that should be on that board for that operating system to run. Turns out even that is very simple to do it does require that you are able to hook up your SD card or your micro SD card to your home computer. You'll have to do a little bit of an install on your home computer. There's not much to it, but what you will do is set your home computer up to take that SD card or micro SD card, clear it out, and then replace anything that's on it in such a way that it is all ready to use with the software for the Raspberry Pi itself. When you insert that into the Raspberry Pi and power up, you'll be able to get into that card and then install the operating system itself into that card and you're ready to go. If that sounds like a lot, it's not. It's actually probably just as quick to read the instructions on the sites I'm going to give you as it was for me to say it. Here's where the caveat comes in. I'm going to send you to one reseller that does a fine job. I purchased my kit from them. But their instructions online still refer to the older operating system, and you don't really want that. So I'm also going to include the instructions from the Raspberry Pi Foundation. Now, if you buy a kit, use whatever came with it. But if you buy a board that's separate and you say, hey, I've got to get my own SD card or micro SD card if you're buying a Raspberry Pi 4, that's great. But you're going to want to use the official instructions from the Raspberry Pi Foundation rather than the ones from the other company. One of the great things about that Raspberry Pi operating system is it is a Linux-based operating system. Now, Linux comes with all kinds of applications ready for you to load up inside of Linux. You're not paying anything for them. And one of the ones that I like the most is called LibreOffice, which is an entire free office suite, word processor, spreadsheet, and more. So you can actually build this Raspberry Pi and then set it up to function as your home computer. Now, at this point in your experience with the Raspberry Pi, you've already learned a little bit more about computer hardware, computer software, how to use an image. But 
we might want to do something a little bit more fun. We might want to do something different just to do some more learning. So there are some alternatives in the operating system department. We can put other operating systems on a Raspberry Pi simply by formatting another SD card and adding that to the Raspberry Pi. And the instructions are just as simple. We format that card, we get the other operating system into our imager software, and on our laptop or our home PC, we say, hey, make an image on this SD card or micro SD card that now carries this other operating system. That might sound boring to you until you find out that these other operating systems turn this into a completely different device. If you are into gaming, you can completely rework your Raspberry Pi very simply, like I just described, to be a retro gaming system. So now you've got a box that will play old-style games just because you swap it out the SD card. Or maybe you're more of a media entertainment person. There is an operating system especially built for that where you can say, I've got these files on, say, a thumb drive or a hard drive that I can plug into the Raspberry Pi. I want to watch my movies. I want to listen to my music. And this operating system will manage all of that. It's just as simple to build the Pi to do that as it is to make a home computer out of it. And I will tell you, I simply set the other SD cards next to my Raspberry Pi when I'm using it. And when I want to switch over, I power down, I switch out cards, I boot back up, and now I have my entertainment system, or now I have my gaming system. So if you say, well, I don't really need another home computer, but I would like to learn a little bit, there are a couple of other ideas for you to try. Bit of a caveat there, when you get into either of those two operating systems, you might find there are things you can add into them, some of the games for the retro system, some of the add-ins that will go and find media for you to play, that actually violate copyrights. So you might imagine that that is not really the thing to do. It's discouraged by a lot of the community, but it does happen. So watch out for that. Obviously, I'm recommending that you avoid it because I'm not crazy about the idea of violating copyright myself. So far, I've been talking about applications for the Raspberry Pi that involve a keyboard and a monitor. We're interacting with the screen in some way, but the Raspberry Pi can be run as the heart of something like, say, an alarm system. It's got plenty of inputs and outputs to monitor something like that. There are all kinds of other projects you can use it in. It's called the Raspberry Pi Zero, and it's very inexpensive because it doesn't have as many connectors built onto the board, and there are some other differences that keep the cost down, and it's reasonable to play with for all kinds of projects. All right, I'm going to put several important resource links in the show notes, but the best one is going to be a link to the official Raspberry Pi Foundation startup guide. Just run through this guide for yourself and see how easy it would be to set up a Raspberry Pi if you had one in front of you. Remember, the point of working with the Raspberry Pi is to learn just a little bit about computer hardware, software, operating systems, all at once. Once you've done that, make sure that all of that knowledge gets reflected on your resume. If you have a question or comment for the show, you can send it to me now using the link in the show notes that'll open up a feedback form. And as always, make sure you are subscribed and that you're reviewing us and rating us on your favorite podcast app. That's all we have for today. This is Dean saying thanks for listening. And we hope to have you back with us next time on Teachers to Tech.